You know, fashion really fascinates me. I'm wearing my number one dad shirt. It's an objective fact. I'm the number one dad in, in the world. Uh, I bought this for myself. No, my kids uh, bought it. Uh, my wife did. And so, uh, you know, fashion, it does. It really fascinates me. I'm kind of obsessed with pop culture a little bit, uh, different parts of fashion and shoes and things like that. I grew up in the 80s and 90s where, where you know, people made statements in, in terms of fashion. And so as a kid, it was all about like spandex biker shorts. Everybody wore spandex neon biker shorts. Uh, MC Hammer was very popular at, at a certain time. And he had pants that you just couldn't touch. Uh, you had fanny packs, uh, fanny packs that you wore around. And dads, you know, I, I would honestly love if fanny packs came back around. Well... They are for young, hip people, but for a dad like me, it would be like, oh my goodness, what is this guy wearing a fanny pack for? Uh, but yeah, so it, you know, when I got a little bit older, it was overalls with one of the buttons undone. Uh, it was starter jackets and Looney Tune shirts. Uh, remember No Fear Apparel, uh, Jean Co jeans, like giant, massive, ugly jeans. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Choker necklaces, Doc Martens, chain wallets. I'm essentially describing Luke in seventh grade uh, with some eyeliner. You know, all of these, all of these are a result of the fall. And, and so, uh, you know, some of these trends are cyclical. Like some of these trends are cyclical. They, they come back like mullets. A lot of mullets in the 80s and 90s. I see a mullet out in the audience, a young man right there. How old are you, Isaiah? 17, Isaiah made the choice to get the achy, breaky, hair mistakey. He's wearing that, that Mississippi mud flap. And uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I could grow a mullet, but it wouldn't be a lot of uh, business on top. It'd be mostly party in the back because I'm bald. There's one fashion trend that has not gone out of style for thousands of years. There's one item worn that has never fallen out of fashion that is very strange. Strangest of them all, and it's the cross. In the first century, the cross was an instrument of death. We wear this instrument of death around our necks today. It was designed by the Romans to torture, humiliate, and kill. The Jews despised the cross for, for centuries. In Deuteronomy, it says, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. It was a stumbling block for the Jews. It was absolute foolishness for the Gentiles. In the first century, it would have been strange to see someone wearing a cross around their neck. That's, that's the fashion statement you're going to make, is to wear that instrument of death, that instrument of shame around your neck. And it would have been very strange to hear Paul say, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. Paul is essentially saying, if I'm going to boast, it will be in this instrument of torture. It'll be in this instrument of shame. And this sort of language is only strange, though, if you fail to understand what Jesus did on the cross and what it accomplished for us. Today, we're going to end our journey in, in Galatians. And Paul is going to bring back a bunch of different themes that he's been talking about over the past uh, few chapters. But he's all going to bring it back to the cross. He's going to bring everything back to the cross. So turn to Galatians 6. 
and go to verse 11. Turn to Galatians 6. If you have one of our blue Bibles, I encourage you to have a Bible in front of you. If you have one of our blue Bibles, it's 567 is the page. But Galatians 6, verse 11 through 18, and I'm gonna read it all the way through, so just follow along with me. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world." For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Go back up to verse 11. See what large letters I'm writing with you. To you with my own hand. So Galatians was most likely written by a scribe that Paul dictated to. So there was a person in the room, Paul was probably in the room, or Paul was in the room with that person, not probably, and he would dictate to them what to write. And so this is Paul saying, hey, I, I gra- I'm grabbing the pen, and I'm, and I'm writing in, you know, 24-point bold font. When we want to make a statement in a text, we use all caps, We bold it, we underline it. That is what Paul is doing. He's saying, I want you to pay attention as I wrap everything up here. Hey, eyes on me. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you as we close because this is really gonna tie everything together. Look at verse 12 through 13. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in Christ and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So Paul again is talking about his opposition one last time. See, Paul originally was in Galatia. And he preached this gospel of grace. It's grace, by grace you have been saved. Through faith, it's not through works. It's not through law adherence. It's not through circumcision. It's not through becoming Jewish that you're saved. It's through placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul leaves Galatia, and then these false teachers come in, and they say, well, well, Jesus is great and all, and you can believe in Jesus as, as Lord, but, but you also need to be circumcised. You also would need to, to eat this and not eat this. You need to adhere to the law to truly be made righteous before God. And, and Paul says, these men are manipulators. These men are, are manipulators who use force to coerce you into getting circumcised. They're bullies who use force to coerce. They use threats, psychological tactics. They probably 
pile on the guilt and, and, and use fear as, a, as, as something to drive people. And I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm not sure this is the best even evangelistic model that, that we can have, missional model that we can have. We never wanna force people into loving something into trusting in something. It makes no sense for me to open my wallet and show you pictures of my kids and be like, you better love them. You better love them or else. And so these people, their, their, their strategy was, was force. They're manipulators. Their method was force. Their motive was fear. They feared persecution. What do you mean they, they feared persecution? Well, these men, you had the church in Jerusalem, but you also had the center of Judaism in Jerusalem. And so these men were, were sent as, as individuals to infiltrate the church in Galatia and to get Paul's converts back in line with Judaism. And so these men, they kind of had a mission, right? They had a mission from, from the mothership back home to come in and get converts, get people to be circumcised, to start following the Mosaic law. Now, what if they failed? That would invite persecution from those back home. And they didn't want to be persecuted. And so this is what's driving them. And so their, their motivation is fear. They're using force and their consistency is flaw. These men are hypocrites. They say, do this, 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 while they in their everyday lives aren't doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. And, 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 and we're all hypocrites in, in one sense where we call people to faithfulness when we even struggle with faithfulness ourselves. But there's just a lack of humility here. It's, hey, you need to be perfect like we're perfect. And Paul is saying they are not perfect. And so they use force. Their motive is fear. Their consistency is, is flawed. And lastly, their goal is to flaunt is to boast in your flesh. What that means is they had a mission from Jerusalem, turn the Galatians back to the law, to Judaism, to a system of works. And for these men, each forced circumcision was just another a notch in the wind call. Hey man, I got, hey, you see how many people I got circumcised last week? You see how many people I coerced into adhering to, to the Mosaic law last week. I mean, a lot, brother. I'm doing pretty good. They'd like to boast in that. Hey, man, I'm, I'm going to break a record for, for people. people cir- what a weird thing to boast in is getting other people circumcised. Hey, man, you know, snap, got a lot last week, brother. And so they're, they're boasting in, in your flesh. They want you to... to to abandon grace and mercy in placing your faith in Jesus alone for salvation so that they can look good, so they can bump up their statistics. Now, just a quick note before we move on. Good ministry is really just doing the opposite of all of these things. We use prayer and love to reach other people. We use service to reach other people. We don't force anybody. We allow God to work in people's lives. We don't give in to fear of man or, or persecution. You know, we're not driven by fear of, oh, my pastor, he, he, what does he think about me if I don't share the gospel? We, we share the gospel because we love people. 
We share the gospel because we want them to know what it's like to, to know Christ and follow him and to have that, that peace and that assurance and that hope. We don't give in to fear. We humbly practice what we preach. This doesn't mean we're perfect, but it does mean we admit when we mess up. But we pursue faithfulness. So whatever we're calling people to, we ourselves are striving for. And, and we're humble in a world that boasts. It's not about spiritual accolades and, and being the best. And it's not about, hey man, I, I saved this many people last week. It's not about patting ourselves on the back. It's humbly serving God. Look at verse 14. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. My kids did it this, the sailor did it this morning. They constantly want me to watch what they're doing. Dad, dad, look at me. Look what I can do. Your kids do that constantly, like you're working or you're doing, look what I can do. And you're like, it's like a lot of talent there. Um, but anything, look what I drew. Hey, Dad, are you like playing sports? Kid scores a goal. Who's the first person they look to? Dad or mom? You see that? Did you see that? That's really cute when you're six or seven years old. It's unbecoming of, of a grown man. And these men were, were doing that. Hey, look at me. Look, look, at what's, look, at, look at how many converts I got. You know? Look at how many people I'm, I'm getting astray from this gospel Paul preached. They're boasting. They're boasting in their own works. And Paul is saying, if I'm going to boast, if I'm going to have you look at anything, it's not going to be me. I'm going to desire for you. I'm going to boast in. I want you to look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Not my work, but his work on my behalf. Look at 14a again. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boast means to glory in, to make much of, to be consumed with. These false teachers are devoted to the law, boasted in what they'd accomplished. When you boast in the cross, you are glorying in, making much of, and what, what has been, and consumed with what has been accomplished for us. You are moving the attention off yourself, your work to the work of Jesus. John Stott, a, a theologian, talked about how we cannot boast in ourselves in the cross simultaneously. He says we have to choose. We really have to choose. Only if we have humbled ourselves as hell-deserving sinners shall we give up boasting of ourselves, fly to the cross for salvation, and spend the rest of our days glorying in the cross. Here's the idea. You can't lift your hands and, and glorify God and pat yourself on the back at the same time. You just can't do that. The cross accomplished much. It's not about our work. It's about the work of Jesus and what it accomplished. You have been adopted by the Father. You are a child of God because of the cross. You have been redeemed, freed from slavery, because of the cross. You have been justified, made righteous. God does not hold your sin against you because of the cross. 
You, you have the Holy Spirit in you because of the cross. Your future hope is secure. Your eternal destiny is, is kept in, in God's hands. You have hope in our future because of the cross. And the world's power over you has been broken because of the cross. Look at the rest of verse 14. But far be it from me to boast and accept that the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world because of the cross. The world here is used to describe the the nature of the age we live in. Sin, corruption, meaninglessness, hopelessness, futility, warped values, false religion, despair, false teaching, uh, you know, worldly philosophies. It's a world system that's ruled uh, by Satan. Apart from Christ, we are captives to this world. We are enslaved and enamored by this world. And the cross comes in and destroys that power over us. Our relationship with the world has significantly changed. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When, when Christ died, our old, rebellious, sinful, self-indulging, world-loving, unbelieving self died with him. We have been freed from the world's influence and pull to sin. The world no longer enslaves us. Now this doesn't mean, it doesn't tempt us. But it does mean the world's power over us has been broken. We don't have to give in to, to that system of, of corruption and brokenness and selfishness and pride. We can live a different way. The world no longer enslaves us. It no longer enamors us. If you truly treasure Christ, the things of this world will lose their luster. If you truly treasure Christ, the things of this world will lose their luster. Things like success that people spend their entire lives chasing. Money. Safety. You know, having enough comfort, fame, likes. Those things will lose their luster because we will understand when we treasure Christ that those things can't give us what Christ can. Peace, joy, satisfaction, contentment. We're no longer enamored with the world because of the work of Jesus on the cross. The cross has come and... and broken us up with the world. We've broken up with the world. Some of you probably understand that sort of language. You know, when you're in middle school and you break up, you may still see that X around. You may still see them around school, right? And, and you know, you, 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 they're still there. They can still be a presence. Uh, and you may be at times tempted to get back into that toxic relationship. But, but you don't have to. You don't have to. You can say, no, I know that's not good for me. Furthermore, that, that ex has, has lost their luster because you now have a, a greater love. 
you are now treasuring something. Something is more beautiful that, that puts that X into context where we say, man, I'm no longer enamored with that. We boast in the cross because it separated us from the world. We boast for another reason. Look, verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Circumcision fails to achieve anything of spiritual significance. It's the same with, with uncircumcision. Neither of any spiritual value in regards to salvation. Rituals, sacraments, spiritual exercises will not fundamentally change who you are. I'm going to say that again. Rituals, sacraments, going through the motions will not fundamentally change who you are. And we are in need of changing. We're in need of a complete restoration. The old self, dead to sin, enslaved to the law. It can't be remodeled or fixed up. And that's how some of us view Christianity. That's how many Americans view Christianity. Man, I'm a pretty good guy. But I'm going to start going to church to kind of fill in those holes. You know, you know, there's a few holes in the wall and, you know, the carpet's getting a little shabby and, uh, you know, maybe an extra coat of paint. That's what Christianity's for. Otherwise, the bones are good. It's a good house, man. I'm a good guy. And if we look biblically, that's, that's not the case. We are spiritually deficient. Our homes are broken. Everything that is old needs to be torn down and something new needs to be built in its place. And, and sacraments, rituals, the law will not get you there. Something new comes from when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Paul is tying the cross to becoming new creations. Man needs new life, a new birth. We need to become something altogether new. We don't, we don't boast in our performance or rituals or achievements before God because these things do not fundamentally change us. We boast in the cross because it has made us something entirely new. You are not the same person you were before you put your faith in Christ. You have changed fundamentally. You have been indwelt with the Spirit. You are a new creation. You are something altogether new. Your spiritual DNA has been altered. Your flesh has been put to death. The power of sin has been broken in your life. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, giving you new desires. You are part of, of God's new people, fit for a new creation. And guys, there's going to be a day where, where all that is part of the old age will pass away. We're, we're in the in-between. The new age has been inaugurated, but it's not here in, in full. But there'll be a day where everything that is old, corrupt, evil, will pass away and everything new will fully emerge. And we will inherit that place. Look at verse 16. 
And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul asks for peace and mercy on those who walk in the truth. The gospel of, of the cross he originally preached to them. Hey man, I want you to walk in, in peace and mercy. I want you to experience those things by walking in the truth. And he also makes an interesting reference here to the Israel of God, this new community of God being formed. Gentiles and Jews alike, they're going to come together and become one people. The Israel of God. Look at verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Let those who impose on you the old way, the pre-cross way with all its regulations and requirements, let them stop bugging me. (laughs) Because I'm the real deal. The false teachers want to carve up your body. They're promising salvation. They want to avoid persecution. My body has been marked up, Paul says. I had a friend that this, this passage, you know, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. They're like, he's talking about tattoos. That's why we can get tattoos. You know, Paul had tats. Uh, that, no, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being stoned and whipped and beaten. And Paul is saying, I, the, the marks on my body testify to my authority. These guys want to carve up your body, have you be circumcised. They want to mutilate you. But these marks on my back, What's happened to me prove that that what I'm preaching is valid. I've refused to denounce the cross in the face of persecution. These marks are the only ones that matter because they point to, to the cross. Look at verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Paul ends his letter fittingly with grace. It's an underlying theme in all his letters. Let's come back to the big idea. We'll wrap up. We boast in the cross alone for our salvation. It breaks the world's power over us and it turns us into something entirely new. Something circumcision and other works of the law could never accomplish. It's about the cross. We don't move on from the beauty of the cross. We don't move on from applying the cross to our lives. And it comes in one of two ways. Some of us boast at the end of the day, look what I'm doing. Even as Christians, we come before God and we boast, man, I'm I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm not like these other guys. Paul is saying, come back to the cross. Come back to the cross. Humble yourself before the cross. Some of us believe, man, for God to really love me, for God to really care for me, to God to really be for me. I, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to jump through this hoop, jump through this hoop. I got to do these things, look this way, dress this way, talk this way. And, and Paul is saying, no, you're, you're doing the exact same thing. The Galatian uh, false teachers were encouraging the Galatians to do. You're adding to the gospel. Come back to the cross. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done for you. And yes, that's going to change everything about you. But but God doesn't love us more tomorrow if we have a great day and we don't say anything bad. Guys, guess what? You're still sinning and he loves you. He's not going to love you less if you mess up. 
He's not going to love you less if you, if you fall short. Come back to the cross. And, and the cross is, is vital to, to Orthodox Christianity. But the cross is bloody. That's why we don't like to think about it sometimes. It's violent. Some in, in the progressive Christian church, they, they say that the cross is cosmic child abuse. You know, the father, the father is, is killing and torturing and, and maiming his son so that our sins could be forgiven. That sounds like supernatural child abuse. And so let's not talk about the cross. Or let's maybe reshape its meaning. It's just about sacrifice and showing the depths of how we should love one another and we should be willing to go to care about each other. No. We boast in the cross because without it, we are still in our sins. We boast in the cross because without it, we are still dead. We boast in the cross because life alone is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we must continually come back to the cross. Charles Spurgeon said, we owe all to Jesus crucified. What is your life, my brethren, but the cross? Whence comes the bread of your soul, but from the blessed one once crucified for you, whoever liveth to make intercession for you. Cling to the cross, then put both arms around it. Hold to the crucified one and never let him go. Come, a, come afresh to the cross at this moment and rest there now and forever. Then with the power of God resting upon you, go forth and preach the cross. Tell out the story of the bleeding lamb. Repeat the wondrous tale and nothing else. Never mind how you do it. Only proclaim that Jesus died for sinners. Amen. Let's pray.